Um, we are a family here at Northridge Church, and we are excited that you are here. And we're going we're gonna to dive right in, and let me just kind of catch everybody up to where we've been. So in September, we launched a series where we're really just casting some vision about the church that we want to be, the church that God wants us and desires us to be. And so in week one, we said we want to be a church, you're going to hear this language a lot, that is family. A church that gives people a safe place to belong, to learn to believe, and to become more like Jesus. Week two, we talked about despite a divided culture that we as a church would fight and cling to unity, a church that is unified. And last week and this week, we've been kind of pressing into who we are as a church, but really why we exist. Our aim as a church, and you'll hear these words a lot too, more and better. We say this at Northridge Church. We are a church that wants to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And last week, we talked about this idea of more, right? That we want to be a church that pursues people far from God, people who don't know the hope of Jesus, and we want to introduce them to the hope that Jesus can bring in their lives. And so today, we're going to dive into this, this idea of being a better disciple of Jesus, I like to say it like this, that we would be a church that is a work in progress. That in our lives as individuals, we would daily be making progress by looking more like Jesus. And when I think about this word progress, I think about me as a little boy. You see, when I was young and, and still today, I love sports and I'm very competitive. And so as a young boy, I would go to tennis camp, I would do summer basketball camps, I just loved anything that I could play a sport that I could get really good at, I loved it. And I'm competitive, and, and, and it started when I was little, and I wanted to be the best. And I would put in the work, I would go after it, but at some point I'd find myself getting to a, a skill that I couldn't master, and being competitive as I was, I would grow frustrated because I couldn't get it down. Until one day, my, my coach taught me one of the most valuable lessons in sports, and really, through all, through all life. That in your pursuit for perfection, it can cost you progress. And that is the truth today. As Christians, as followers of Christ, our goal, yes, ultimately is perfection that Jesus accomplishes us in us, but our goal every day is to make progress in our walk with God. And this word progress really aligns with a theological word. It's called sanctification. And sanctification is simply this, this concept of being set apart, being made holy. I like to say it like this. Sanctification is the process, the progress, the journey of becoming more like Christ. Do you realize that in your life as a Christian, your goal should be to look like Jesus each and every day? Not hope one day I'll get there, but every day say, I'm going to try to make progress to get there. And so Colossians, look what the Apostle Paul says about this. He says, he is the one we proclaim, that's Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy, all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And so here Paul says, we, we proclaim, we look up to, we model our lives after Jesus, teaching people the wisdom of Jesus. Why? So one day, we would get to Jesus and be fully mature in Christ. And so what does it mean to be spiritually mature? 
to be a better follower of Jesus. And I think in in the church today, this, this word of spiritual maturity has been a little bit hijacked. We've almost dumbed it down to be things that I'm not sure that scripture says it is. And so we're going to dive into this. What, how can I become spiritually mature? James gives us the answer. So if you got your Bibles, James chapter one. James chapter one is where we're going to be this morning. Jump into the Northridge Church app. You can take notes. Go to James chapter one in your Bible. And as you make your way to James, let me give you a little background on the book of James and who James is. James is the brother of Jesus. And what's fascinating about James's life is it's probably not the easiest thing to be the brother of the son of God, right? No one would really want to sign up for that. And what's, what's fascinating about James's story is James didn't really believe in Jesus at the beginning. He didn't believe the claims that his brother was making about being the son of God really special. You can imagine that, right? He didn't believe. It wasn't until the resurrection of Jesus where James really committed his life to his brother, to Jesus and his resurrection. And when James went all in, he went all in. And so in in this book that he writes, he talks in chapter one about trials and tribulations that we will face. He talks about being deceived. But then at the end of chapter one, James really talks about this recipe of how you and I can become spiritually mature, how we can look like Jesus. We pick it up in verse 22. This is what he says. He says, do not merely listen to the word And so deceive yourselves. So let's pause here. One thing you need to know about James, if you read the book later on, James is that type of friend that everybody has that kind of just says it how it is. And some days you appreciate it and some days you don't. And so James isn't gonna sugarcoat anything for us. He's just gonna tell you right to your face how it is. And if you think about what he's saying here, it's pretty shocking. It's pretty audacious that James is actually saying that reading or listening to your Bible is not enough. It sounds almost like blasphemy. Wait, you're telling me that if I just read my Bible and read my Bible and learn my Bible, that's, that's not enough to be spiritually mature? No, James actually says a lot of people, that's what they do and they're deceiving themselves to thinking they're spiritually mature when they're not. And so James's point here is sanctification, looking like Jesus is not only knowing what the Bible says. And we know this to be true. Because if you look at Jesus's life, who is the crowd of people he gets more frustrated with than any other? It was the religious leaders, the Pharisees. And guess what was true about the Pharisees? They knew the Bible. Just to give you a glimpse into what it would be like to be a Pharisee in Jesus's day, you know what you had to do? You had to memorize the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. Can you imagine that? Right, it's hard enough for us to memorize a verse, let alone a chapter. Can you imagine the first five books? Oh, and by the way, the first five books are not short books. You're talking about like 34 chapters, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Oh, there's a great one to memorize. Whoa. And then numbers in Deuteronomy. These guys could memorize it. You could ask them, hey, what's Numbers 314? I don't even know if there's a Numbers 314, but they'd be like, oh, let me, let me tell you. They knew God's word inside and out. They knew the Old Testament law, and yet look what Jesus says about them. He says, these people honor me with their lips. They knew all the right things to say. They knew the answer to all the questions, but Jesus says, but their hearts are far from me. The most important piece they missed. 
And so we know James is saying sanctification is just not merely knowing God's word. But he continues, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. Now, it would be easy for us to come to a conclusion that James is not coming to where James puts a priority on action. He actually doesn't. But what what happens in Christianity is we go from one extreme to the other. We go from the extreme of knowledge to the extreme of action. And so we just believe James is telling us, let's run around and do a lot of things. Let's just go and go. Whatever God says, we're going to go. We're going to do. We're going to do. Whatever my neighbor says, I'm going to do. I'm going to be a good moral person. But James is indirectly saying this as well. He says, being like Jesus, sanctification is not just action that's ignorant of the truth. Many of us follow into this trap where we're like, I'm doing a lot of good things, but you're ignorant of a biblical foundation and those good things will eventually lead you to the wrong things. And so James, what he's getting at here is he's like, there are two things tethered together. The recipe to be being spiritually mature cannot just include one ingredient. You have to have both. James is saying sanctification, looking like Jesus, is me committing to the word of God and obeying it. The word of God and acting on it. Sanctification is knowing God's word and acting on it. And so James gives us an illustration. He presses in. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. And so James gives us an illustration. He uses a mirror. I I got a mirror, guys. I don't know how I got here. (laughs) And he says, you know, we use a mirror every day, right? We look into the mirror when we get dressed. And the problem with the mirror is it doesn't lie even if we wished it did at times, right? That, that mirror is gonna tell me those extra pounds that I put on that I don't wanna see. And James says, the person who looks into God's word and doesn't do what it says is like this. Let's say, you know, we're getting ready for church. It's Sunday, we all got ready for church and we're, we're getting ready and we realize, okay, we're, we're running a little bit late to, to church. Not that any of you would show up late to church, right? And you're getting ready and you're like, okay, I'm in a hurry and I gotta get my shirt dressed and you're not paying attention and you, you look into the mirror and you're like, oh, wait a second, this isn't right. But you look away and you forget and you, you show up to church. You're like, hey guys, how's it, how's it going? And maybe you're a greeter and you're like, welcome to Northridge. We're a family, a really awkward, weird dressing family, right? And everybody's like, what is wrong with that person? And you have no clue. It's a silly illustration, but do you realize when we just read God's word and we don't act on it, that's exactly what we look like? That's what we do. We, we look into the mirror, we see the dysfunction, and we forget it, and we go on with life, and everybody else sees it, and we miss it. We deceive ourselves. And so James presses in even deeper. He says, hey, you want to be spiritually mature? Like if, you, if that's your desire, you want to look like Jesus, let me tell you how to do it. Verse 25, he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. So let's pause here. He says, whoever looks intently. I love the imagery of this word, intently. Because it means to figure something out, to solve a mystery. And I think some of us that, that, that struggle to read our Bible, we have to view it as a solving a mystery. The mystery is understanding God. And he gave us this revelation to dig into, to look intently so we can understand the God of the universe. And, and intently is also referring to like a doctor. You go to the doctor's office. You know, a physical exam is kind of the surface level. But every once in a while, you go to a physical exam and the doctor's like, hey, we got to look deeper. 
And so they, they call for an x-ray or a, a MRI so they go beyond the surface. This is what James is saying. He's saying we have to get to the place where we look intently. And now I want you to notice something. It says, but whoever, it doesn't say, hey, when your pastor looks intently into the word. It doesn't say, oh, when your community group leader looks intently into the word for you. No, he says, when you, when you look intently into God's word, will you learn to do that? And he says, he doesn't stop there though. He says, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. Can I tell you as a teacher, many of you get this because you're teachers, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, whether you're a coach, you're a teacher in the classroom, or you teach on a stage like me, one of, the, one of the most frustrating things as a teacher is to pour so much energy into a lesson, teach your kids, teach people about that lesson, and the very next day, they forget it. Right? Like, what do you mean you forgot it? I just, I just told you that. I, I love a community group every once in a while. We'll ask, like, hey, what, what, what was the highlight of the message? And everybody's like, I don't know. What did you talk about, Drew? Like, what am I not showing? I just spent 30 hours de- developing a message. You forgot it? And it's the most frustrating thing. And James says we have to learn not to forget what we hear, but to act on it. You want to know how you don't forget the messages? You do them. Because when you do them, you're living them. And James, what James is saying here is he creates two problems for two groups of people. Because there's really two, two types of people uh, in the church, right? We have the people, some of you are like this. You're, you're the people who love to study God's word, right? You just love the, the depths and the riches of the Bible. You love the original language, the Hebrew, the Greek, and you just love kind of solving those mysteries, discovering who God is. And then on the opposite side of that spectrum, there are those of you who don't necessarily love reading in general, and so you're more of that action person. You're like, just tell me what to do, and I will do it. I will change the world. Just, God, tell me how I do it, and I'm going to go and go and go. And here's the problem that creates, is many people who love to study God's word aren't usually really good at applying or living God's word, and there's many people who are really good at going, going, but you don't have a biblical foundation for what you should be doing. And James is saying, no, 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 you you can't pick one or the other. They both work hand in hand to produce maturity in you. He continues, verse 26, he says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So James talks about two types of religion. He says bad religion, religion that's useless, throw it away, is a religion that doesn't do anything, doesn't act. In fact, religion that is so bad that you can't even keep a, a rein on your tongue. He says that type of religion, get rid of it, throw it away, it's worthless. But he says good religion, religion that God our Father accepts is religion that acts. Here's what God says and acts and usually acts on the benefit of those who are overlooked, oppressed, marginalized. And what's interesting is I I just wanna celebrate our church for a second because what I love about this family is we are really good at loving and caring for the orphan. 
We have many people in our family, this church, that are in the foster care system, that have adopted orphans from the United States, from out of the country. We have people who serve as respite families for foster care families. We partner with ministries that are loving the orphan. I just want to celebrate the people in our church who do that every single day. And so the bottom line that James is saying is if you today long to be spiritually mature, if you long to be like Jesus, you have to do this. You have to know God's word and you have to act on God's word. You have to study intently the scriptures and when you study them, you have to apply them to your life. It doesn't just come by doing good moral things and it doesn't just come by becoming really smart on biblical knowledge. It requires both. But what does this look like every day for me? What does this look like for our church? And I think from a big picture's perspective, one thing we have to understand is that looking like Jesus or sanctification is not just a Sunday activity. You see, if you are banking on just Sunday to sanctify you, you're gonna be an immature Christian for the rest of your life. Because sanctification is a corporate journey, yes, but it's also a personal journey. And it's a lifestyle every day. And so how do we as a church get better at discipleship? How do we disciple people? How do we become better Christians? Well, the way we do that at Northridge Church is through a process. And the process has six steps. And the first two steps of the process, we ask everybody who calls this church their home to be involved in. The first one starts with Sunday. It's our weekend gatherings. We ask our church to, to commit to showing up on Sunday, whether that's on our online campus or at our two physical campuses. When you're in town, you make it a priority. You, you schedule your calendar around gathering as the church, not the other way around. And so we make it a priority. And here's our promise to you every Sunday. Guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna teach you God's word and we're gonna give you opportunities to apply it. So you can walk out of here today saying, man, there is something I can do tomorrow to look more like Jesus. So our weekend gatherings. The second step is our community groups. We ask everybody to get into community to get outside of the rows where you can get lost in and jump into relationships that will help you do three things. The first thing, apply the Bible. To live the Bible out, to have accountability through relationships where you can't just say, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I said that on Sunday and never do it. You're gonna have people who are like, yo, you told me you're gonna do that. How about you start doing it? And you're gonna have people who will care for you. Now, just be honest, if you're not in a community group, you're gonna get tired of hearing me say and our pastors say and our community group leaders say you should be in a group. And so just get in a group. It's that simple. It's easy, right? We'll do all the heavy lifting for you. Just jump into a group. Those are the first two major parts of our process. But then the next four steps we ask people to come in and out of throughout their journey. The third one is feed your faith. Can I tell you the best thing I can do for you as one of your pastors is not get you to rely on my teaching, but to get you to rely on your teaching. To get you to a place where you don't need a sermon on Sunday to grow in your faith, but where you Monday and Tuesday, you are personally in your own journey are reading the scriptures on your own. That you would go from being a baby who's spoon fed to a mature adult who is eating on his own. 
right? And so we will resource you. We have a bunch of resources that you can dig into the scriptures and we'll send them to you, right? We have an equip email that we send out once a week with a bunch of resources that will grow and stretch your faith. We have a podcast that we release once a week, digging deeper into the sermons on Sunday. We have gatherings of growth, whether it's parenting or whether it's marriage or different topics in culture that we offer that you can take place in. But we have to learn as individuals to feed our own faith. And these three first steps are all about receiving. Things we're gonna give to you so you can receive to look more like Jesus. But one thing I know about sanctification is sanctification is not just getting, it's often giving. Some of the best ways that you will look like Jesus is not about what you get, it's about what you give. And we know this from the model Jesus said, Matthew 20, look how it describes Jesus. It says, just as the son of man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So many of us, we wanna look like Jesus. Well, maybe part of that equation is not just receiving, but it's giving back as Jesus gave. And so the fourth part of that journey is sharing your faith. We talked a lot about this last week, that we'll be a church that pursues people far from God. And part of that is just us in our community telling people about what Jesus has done in our life. We asked you last week to commit to praying, investing, and inviting. Praying for opportunities, investing in relationships, and inviting people to Jesus. The fifth, start, fifth step is to serve others. To use the gifts that God has graciously given you for the benefit of others. To serve inside the local church, right? We're gonna be a family, part of being a family is not taking from the family, but it's giving back to the family. So maybe that's serving in kids' ministry, building a biblical foundation in our next generation, whether that's kids or student ministry. Maybe that's tech ministry or that's your voice, using your voice that God has given you to worship him, to lead people in worship. Maybe it's not just serving inside the local church, but it's with our partners outside in our community and into the world to use your gifts to serve others. And then last, six, is to live generously to learn the value of sacrifice where you don't just take what you want, but you give back to what God has graciously given you. So you surrender back to God and his church, but you also live generously with people. When you go out to eat, you give your waitress or your waiter a good tip. You're a generous person. And here's what I believe. I really believe this in my whole heart. If I commit to these six things, if you commit to these six things, you'll look like Jesus. And isn't that what we want? Or is it? So let me ask you this. You think about becoming a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Think about becoming spiritually mature. Can I ask you this? When you, when you look into the mirror of your life, so go back a year. Go back six months and look at your life where you were then and come to today, and when you look at the mirror today, you look at the mirror tomorrow, can I ask you over the course of that year, over the course of that six months, do you look more like Christ? The mirror doesn't lie. Who you are doesn't lie. The actions you take don't lie. So if you look back at your life a year ago, can you honestly stand and look in the mirror and say, you know what? God has refined me, changed me, 
molded me and today I'm different. And the reason why I'm different is because I look more like my savior. How would you answer that question? If your answer is yes, man, Drew, it's been an amazing year and God has changed me. I challenge you to keep doing what you're doing, to press into God's word, to know it and to live it out. But if your answer is you look at your life and you're like, I'm not sure if I look more like Jesus. If you're like, man, I don't think I do. Maybe today's a day to change that, to recommit back to God. And if you're a new believer here today, you've been following Jesus for maybe six months to a year, two years. Let me challenge you. One of the best things you can do to look more like Jesus is begin to discover who Jesus is in his word. And so find somebody who's been following Jesus for a while, knows his word, and just ask them. Make a big ask. Hey, would you give me one day a week for the next year? And would you just teach me, equip me to understand God's word, to build that foundation? Or maybe you're here today and you've been following Jesus for a long time. And maybe you've been banking on those past changes that God did five, 10 years ago. And maybe you look at your life and you're like, you know what, it's been a while since God's really done something. And maybe I know all the right answers. And maybe your, your knowledge, your obedience needs to match your knowledge. Maybe you need to find somebody to pour into, to teach them what God's word is all about. So here's what I'm asking our church. I'm asking you right now at all our campuses, online, Webster, grab your phones. Go ahead and grab your phones, pull them out. Go to Safari, go to Google Chrome and type Iwant.info into your browser. Go right to that webpage. And here's what I'm asking. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Drew, I'm ready. I'm ready to grow spiritually. I'm committing today to grow spiritually. You'll see at that, that, that website, I want that info. The top banner says, I am committed to growing spiritually. And would you just click that banner right now? I'm gonna give you some time. Click that banner, fill out your name, your information. We need your social security and your bank account information. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We just need your name and contact. And you'll see below there's those six options of our process. Would you just let us know areas that maybe you feel weak in? Areas that you want to step up in. And here's our commitment. I'm not going to send your information all over the place. I just want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. Is I want to pray that a year from now, when you look into the mirror, you're like, man, I look more like Jesus. I am more like Jesus. And so if you're committed to go on this journey with us as a church, saying, hey, a year from now, we're going to grow deeper. Because, hey, Northridge Church can grow wide. We can draw a lot of people. But we, as Christ followers, if we aren't growing deeper, we won't be ready for the influx of people God wants to bring us. So we want to be about more, but we also want to be about better. Are you committed to grow with us this year? Just let us know at Iwant.info. But here's something you need to know as well. You can't look like Jesus apart from Jesus. So some of you, your first step in the sanctification process is just believing what Jesus accomplished for you. That you were a sinner who was in need of a savior. And that savior came from heaven to earth. His name was Jesus and he died in your place on that cross to defeat your sin. But also he rose again three days later to give you victory over it. And so we stand in that truth. And when you cross that line of faith, something amazing happens. God gives you a gift, it's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your guide. He is the one who works in you to sanctify you. And so here's what we're gonna do as we wind down our service this morning. You know, when you read the words of James, he says, don't just listen to the word. 
So for the last 25 minutes, we've listened to God's word. We've heard it taught. We looked intently into it. But James says, if we stop there, we are deceiving ourselves. We feel good, right? We showed up to church on Sunday. We can go home, watch some football. Hopefully the Bills beat the Ravens, you know? But we deceive ourselves into thinking, wow, somehow we magically looked more like Jesus. James says, you got to listen to it and you got to do what it says. And normally on Sundays, we give you application. We say, hey, Monday, go do that. But today we're going to act on God's word right now. So I'm going to give you three options. Our bands are going to come and they're going to sing a song. And the song is all about a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that the Spirit of God would become alive and fresh in our hearts. So I'm gonna give you three action steps today. The first one's the easiest, right? The first one is probably what the majority of you are gonna take. You're just gonna stand and sing this song passionately, praying it over your life. The second step is, man, you're committed to growing spiritually. Hey, that takes a village of people. And and you'll notice right now at our Webster and our uh, Rochester campus, our prayer team. So if you're part of the prayer team, you can get up right now at Webster and Rochester. You can come down front. They will be available for you to pray. So if you need prayer, encouragement, something's going on in your life, you need someone to pray for you. These people are available to you during this song. So you can sing the song passionately. Secondly, you can come get prayer. Third is the hardest step. Third is the step where you go to a brave, courageous level. And we sing this song, I would challenge our church to not just write it down on your your little phone, I'm committed to growing, but to be desperate enough for God to do something about it. So as we sing, I would challenge you to get out of your seat during the song and to go to the side or go to the front and get on your knees and say, God, I'm not just committing to the leaders of this church, I'm committing to you today that I want to look more like you a year from now. And so I'm gonna be bold and courageous. I'm gonna move and I'm gonna act. And so three options for you. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. Our bands are gonna sing. Would you stand with me at all of our locations? And as we sing, you do what you need to do.